Welcome to Podcast 22 of Safe Dividend Investing. My name is Ian Duncan McDonald. I am the author of Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing and my last book, Safer, Better Dividend Investing. Today, we continue with the last half of Chapter 5 from my book, Income and Wealth from Self-Directed Investing. Collectibles, coins, stamps, and art. Paintings, coins, and postage stamps are just a few of the items in which collectors speculate. I have sold collectibles. It is not easy to generate income. In selling paintings, the first thing I learned is that the professional art collectors do not appreciate the aesthetic merits of painting. These collectors fixate on buying the artist's signature on the painting. Like any investment, supply and demand set the price. Famous dead artist paintings go up in price because there is now a limited supply of those paintings. Paintings I considered ugly, I would not give you $2 for, I have sold to collectors for $15,000 only because the collector had been searching for a painting by this long dead artist for several years. He considered the $15,000 price to be a bargain, and he was right. While the painting was on its way to him in Calgary, I had a call from another collector. He was disappointed to learn the painting was sold. He requested that I ask the buyer to sell him the painting for $20,000. Finding that first buyer had taken me weeks. Interestingly, the buyer was not interested in the $20,000 offer. Selling your paintings directly to buyers is unusual. It requires advertising, in contacting galleries, museums, and others who may know someone who has an interest in the artist. This takes time. Usually, you want to find a gallery that will take the painting on consignment. They will hopefully find a buyer. Galleries are very picky as to what they will put on their walls. Their walls are a limited marketing resource. Their commission for selling a painting could be half of the selling price. Some galleries have terrible reputations for selling a painting and then forgetting to inform you of the sale. Only by visiting the gallery can you confirm your painting is still in the gallery's possession. If the gallery is in another province where the artist's paintings are in demand, such visits can be impractical. When you do learn about the secret sale, you face trying to collect your money from a gallery which is often short of funds and has already shown that they will cheat you. Sometimes, while the artist's paintings may be in demand, the subject of the painting may not conform to the traditional images for which the artist has become famous. Despite his signature on the bottom, it just doesn't look like one of his paintings. The purpose of buying the painting is often to impress those who recognize the artist. You may spend years trying to find a buyer for such an unusual painting. Occasionally, 
gallery owners would immediately buy a painting from me. They knew clients that they were certain would want a painting by that artist. Their selling price was going to be far more than what I was asking for the painting. They were taking advantage of me for what they saw as an opportunity for quick profit, such as the way of the capitalists. While you may find a buyer on your own, the buyer could be thousands of miles away. Getting an expensive painting to them can be difficult. It surprised me to learn a special climate-controlled truck operated by Ferro Transport traveled from Montreal to Vancouver delivering paintings every week to galleries and to collectors. I've used this service. One day, a huge tractor trailer showed up. It was so large it could not come down my street. I carried the painting to the truck and placed it in special racks. The paintings had to be bubble wrapped for the trip. There is also an element of speculation in selling paintings. People's tastes change. Something bought 20 or more years ago may be of little interest to current art collectors. If you enjoy beautiful art, instead of speculating on art, I would suggest going to a website like fineartamerica.com and choosing something you find beautiful from the millions of paintings and prints they have on display. For a few hundred dollars, you can enjoy it for the rest of your life. If upon delivery, the painting disappoints you, you can send it back. They will refund your money. Online art galleries have killed off many of the traditional brick and mortar art galleries. Coins and Stamps Many websites, trade shows, and retailers exist which trade rare coins and stamps. These online websites and catalogs can give you an almost instant estimation of what your coin or stamp is worth. This prepares you for haggling on a price with a prospective buyer you may have connected with through these websites. One needs to have a special love of coins or stamps because buying and selling them requires significant time and effort. Few coins sell for over a thousand dollars. Even a Roman coin a thousand years old may only be worth a few hundred dollars. Being small, coins and stamps are much easier and less expensive to ship than paintings. If you can't find a buyer for your old silver coins, some dealers will buy them and melt them down for their silver content. The price of silver rises in tandem with gold prices. Common shares. What is a great investment? One that is safe, has the potential to grow, pays out regular amounts of money, protects you from taxmen as it grows, and instantly brings millions of buyers and sellers together to establish prices and make immediate sales. It is an investment that you can buy or sell in seconds to potentially millions of people with minimal effort while incurring less than $10 in transaction expenses, even if that asset is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. It is an investment 
with incredible amounts of free statistical data to help you make informed, logical buy and sell decisions. To protect buyers, the government regulates the sale of this investment by passing laws to try to make the protests transparent and above board. This investment of buying and selling of common shares of public companies on a stock exchange through a self-directed stock trading account with a major financial institution. So much money is being made and lost in stock markets that it is under constant monitoring. One organization during this monitoring is the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization, which is known as IROC. You can visit their website at www.iiroc.ca. In this website, you can check for negatives registered against investment advisors or their employers. A free daily email publicizes fines against investment firms and advisors. It is available for the asking. IROC is a self-regulating agency that regulates Canadian investment dealers and their 28,000 employees and agents. If approached by dealers or investment advisors not listed with IROC, you should be extra vigilant. IROC seems to fall short of covering the entire industry. One source reported there are 120,000 people registered as financial professionals in Canada. Almost all 120,000 are dealering representatives. These are salespeople registered to sell financial investments. Only about 4,000 of these 120,000 are financial professionals. Only financial professionals have a fiduciary duty to act in a client's best interests. If you must entrust your portfolio to a third party, it is hoped you would receive a more upfront, honest service from a registered financial professional than you would from a commission salesperson. If you have any doubts that some sharks in the investment industry are fleecing their clients, visit the website for for Small Investor Protection Association, S-I-P-A at H-T-T-P-S colon backslash backslash S-I-P-A dot C-A. This nonprofit organization is a depository of articles from the media. It provides details on the culture of greed that pervades the financial industry. It also gives access to legal judgments stored with the Canadian Legal Information Institute. They are available for review if you ever contemplate a legal action involving an investment dispute. Some deceptions going on in the investment industry verge on the ridiculous. For example, a financial advisor spelled with an O is an unregulated title that anyone can use, while advisor spelled with an E can only be used by employees 
with fiduciary responsibilities. The Ontario Securities Commission confirms that only advisor is a legal term under securities law. Tax avoidance should always be a consideration when investing. Investors only get to keep their net return after tax. Therefore, Canadian investors in stocks should take advantage of all tax shelters that are available. These include RRSP registered retirement savings plans, TFSA tax-free savings accounts, and RESP registered educational savings plans. There are limitations as to how much you can invest in these tax shelters. But whatever income you put in an RRSP or an RESP gives you an immediate tax reduction. Any dividends and capital gains from sales made that are kept in those tax shelters are not subject to tax. This allows you to maximize the growth of your portfolio. You can also create a tax shelter by incorporating a company and leaving some income in the company. The corporate tax rate is lower than your personal rate. To get this tax advantage, the business must have the ability to make a profit. Such a corporation also allows you to write off legitimate business expenses against any taxable revenue the corporation generates. Any operating losses of your corporation can be used to offset capital gains you might realize on your stock investments. It is important for Canadians who buy stocks inside an RRSP or TFSA to stick to Canadian stocks. Dividends earned from foreign stocks in a TFSA and an RRSP may be subject to withholding tax from a foreign country. Fluctuating foreign exchange rates can also wreak havoc on a portfolio. All good things including tax shelters in. When you turn 71, you must begin to liquidate your RRSP, which may have been growing tax-free for decades. That first year, they require you to withdraw 5% of it. It will be treated as a fully taxable income. Since you would have earned dividends of at least 5% in your RRSP and anticipated this withdrawal, you can use this universal dividend income to meet your expected tax withdrawal. Doing this avoids having to sell any of the shares in your RRSP. This allows the capital gains in your portfolio to keep on growing and spinning off ever more dividend income. Each year thereafter, the percentage of government RRSP tax withdrawals increase. If you reach your mid-90s, your RRSP will be reduced to zero with these annual withdrawals from it. You will either have spent what you have withdrawn or reinvested it after paying taxes on it in your main trading account. Capital gain realized from stocks sold from your main trading account occurs half the tax of employment income. Dividend income is taxed at a reduced rate that fluctuates depending on your total income. Many REITs 
real estate investment trusts pay high dividend yields and are an important part of a value investor's portfolio. Tax breaks exist on income realized from them. Because a portion of the monthly dividend paid is a tax-free return of invested capital, rather than a straight dividend payment or capital gain. Getting all the tax breaks and keeping Revenue Canada happy requires a good accountant. While tax breaks can save you money, they are only of value if you're getting a significant return on your investments. Many investors are nothing from their investments because they buy a stock at the wrong time when it has reached its peak price and sell at wrong time. Whether you are at the peak or at the bottom can only be realized after the fact. It is never obvious when you're making investment decisions, but what is obvious and ignored in pursuit of a hot stock are the signs of value, a stock's operating margins, price to earnings ratios, dividend payouts, the book value, and so on. The most you can lose on a stock price is 100% of what you paid for that stock. However, what makes common stocks so attractive is that there is no lid on how much you can make on a carefully chosen stock. A big gain in one stock can easily offset small losses you might experience in others. Since no one can accurately predict the future, by investing in several well-chosen good stocks, you increase the chances of having multiple winners whose price gains will grow your portfolio. Statistically, over 50% of your well-chosen stocks will increase in value. Even in a stock market crash, not all stocks will decline. A 5% pullback on the total value of your portfolio will occur a couple of times each year. You will probably not even notice it. Every three years, expect a 10% to 20% correction to occur. After such a downturn, you should expect it to take about four months for your portfolio to regain what it lost. A bear market occurs when the average share price decline exceeds 20%. I've been through two. The dot-com implosion saw the NASDAQ Composite Index decline by 88% in March 2000 and pulled down all other stock indexes in the world. The NASDAQ is where most of these speculative unprofitable dot-com internet stocks were being traded. While the index's drop was sharp, share prices quickly recovered. In 2008, there was a 57% drop in the Standard & Poor 500 index. Misinformed speculators invested in mortgage-backed securities that were anything but secure. At that time, home buyers could buy homes without down payments or background checks to determine if they could meet the mortgage payments. This caused a supply and demand bubble that drove up house prices at an unprecedented rate. Greedy financiers needed home buyers, any buyer, so they could bundle more and more subprime mortgages into funds whose units 
they could sell to eager investors looking for a safe investment with high rates of return, fully secured by real estate. Unfortunately, a house that originally sold for $500,000 during the frenzy of house buying soon dropped to $100,000 when the bubble of insolvency burst. The mortgage-backed securities were as worthless as the mortgages that had secured them. Stock exchanges around the world were staggered by the loss. There is a credit risk score applied to every adult and every business in the United States. If anyone had wanted to take the time to analyze the mortgage holders who were securing these securities, the pending disaster would have been obvious. However, there are none sublime as those who choose to be, especially clever financiers earning huge commissions caught up in the frenzy of selling a flawed investment to gullible investors buying something they did not know how to analyze or understand. It took years for house prices to recover and for investors to forget the pain of that loss. The stock market recovered faster. The lowest point in my portfolio was November 21st of 2008. This was down from its highest point on June 17th of 2008. Finally exceeded that high point by February 10th of 2009. What do bear markets teach us? One, stock markets are cyclical. Two, speculators buy stocks and emotions. Many seek to get rich with one big win. They bet the whole farm on one stock. Number three, value investors, after careful analysis, buy stocks in several profitable companies. Four, markets recover. Value investors collect their dividends while waiting for the market. Five, investors fear anticipated losses far more than they like gains. Much of the fear of investing originates in the Great Depression between 1929 and 1939. It was severe. In 1934, the unemployment rate in Canada was 30%. In the United States, it hit a high of 24%. Compare that to current unemployment rates running at less than 6%. Stock markets did not recover until the start of World War II. However, not all publicly traded companies suffered during the Depression. Throughout it, the International Nickel Company exported nickel to Hitler's armament manufacturers in Germany. My father told me stories of the thousands of desperate men like him who trekked to Sudbury, Ontario from all over the world to work in the International Nickel Company mines. They lined up outside the employment office hoping for employment. Inco hired him and he clung to that job for the next 38 years. The fear of the return of bad times kept him there just as it kept many investors out of the stock market for decades. The fear mongers herald any bear market now as being the return of the dirty 30s instead of a normal economic correction. Bear markets cause many fearful speculators to sell their shares at their lowest 
historical price and to only re-enter the market when shares are again reaching their peak. This is when greed takes over and many are afraid of losing out in the hot stock market. This is often just before inflated prices again decline. In the next chapter, we will explore how to find the 20 best dividend paying common shares. Preferred shares. There is another type of share that companies issue and sell on stock exchanges. It is called preferred shares. You will recognize them by their stock symbols. The symbol contains a PR or a PF. As an example, an Enbridge Inc. preferred share is enb.pr.n and a TransCanada company preferred share is trp.pr.f. Unlike some common shares, preferred shares always pay dividends. Often, the dividend is 1% or 2% more than the dividends of their common shares. However, like a bond, they do not share in the capital gain of the corporation, nor do they have any ownership or voting rights in the corporate structure. They are a loan, like a bond. Preferred shares rank above common shares in realizing money from a company's liquidation, but would rank behind the company's bondholders. However, as I have described already, the chances of realizing any kind of payout in a corporate insolvency is just about nil. You can buy and sell preferred shares on the stock market, just like a common share. However, while the dividend payout stays consistent, the share price does not. I did an analysis of all stocks traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange that paid an annual dividend greater than 3.5% of the share price. 654 shares met this criteria. Of these, 364, or 56.04% of the shares, were preferred shares. Preferred shares are usually issued at a standard price of $25. Of the 364 preferred shares, only 17 companies had a share price exceeding $25. And of these, only one was greater than $30. The chance of realizing a capital gain from a preferred share is 1.91%. 183 of the 366 preferred shares, 50% of them, had lost at least 20% of their value and were now worth less than $20. Several were trading for less than $10. Since there is almost no chance of capital gain, speculators seem to have no interest in preferred shares. Only a few hundred shares, or at most a few thousand of a company's preferred shares will trade each day. Often no shares are being bought or sold. The question is, why would an investment advisor put preferred shares in a client's portfolio. The dividend rate, which is perhaps 1% higher than 
the same company's common shares dividend rate appears to be the only attraction. Unfortunately, what you make on a 1% dividend difference, you lose when the preferred share drops down 20% from its initial place. Most of the preferred shares seem to be paying dividends in the 5 or 6% range. There are many good common shares paying more than 7%. If interest rates decrease and the preferred shares dividend now looks attractive to investors, the corporation who issued the preferred share can call it in and issue new preferred shares paying a lower dividend rate. Unlike bonds where you get back all your money that you have invested with a preferred share, you only get back what someone is willing to pay you for that preferred share. And 98% of the time, that will be less than the $25 you paid for it. The commission they pay investment dealers who sell preferred shares to naive clients is believed to be very attractive. Unlike common shares, there's nothing but a mediocre dividend incentive to entice a buyer. None of the usual reference points that encourage you to buy a common stock are available. There's no operating margin, no book value, no price-to-earnings ratio, no analyst recommendations, no high volume of shares being traded. If a company that issued preferred shares ran into financial difficulty, there is nothing stopping a company from suspending all their dividend payments, including those for preferred shares. Corporations that issue preferred shares must like them. It is a cheaper way to raise money for large capital projects. Cheaper than borrowing from the bank and avoids the monetary commitment that a bond would demand. A company's assets secure their bank loans. The value of these assets limits how much a corporation can borrow. Assets do not secure preferred shares. The number of preferred shares issued is limited by what the company thinks they can afford to pay out in dividends. Corporate executives encourage the use of preferred shares to raise capital because the preferred shares do not dilute the common share price. Thus, the executives who have their annual stock option incentives tied into the ever-rising common share price need not fear preferred shares removing their chance to make tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in bonus money. Miss Innocence's original portfolio contains a large percentage of preferred shares. Since almost all preferred shares decline greatly in value, it is not surprising that her portfolio lost $300,000 of its value in just a few years. There really was a good chance that she would have outlived her money had she not substituted common shares for those preferred shares. Dividend income is not enough. You also need capital gain. Preferred shares will not give you capital gain. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. Thank you.